The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well. Or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and I'm here with my co-host, Spencer the Wizard. And we're breaking down the last week of the NFL. Let's go to America's Game of the Week. I think we might look at this as the game of the year. Broncos, Cowboys. Yeah, what's going on? Um, What's happening? It's Spencer Grossinger again, your co-host of Bruce the Sports Doc. And it was definitely a heck of a weekend for sports. And um, I'm so excited to, to break everything down because um, as, as a college football guy, but especially as an NFL guy, I just couldn't have been more pleased with what the NFL produced this weekend. The ratings of America's Game of the Week that you're referring to received a 19 on the scale for ratings, which is probably more than a World Series game would get 4 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. So, you know, we're not even talking about a playoff game. We're talking about a regular season matchup. And it was Jerry's World. It's America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, against really the best quarterback in the NFL for essentially the last 15 years. Um, there's other guys that have, you know, that could compete with that label of best quarterbacking. But in the regular season, it's no contest. Peyton Manning is the best quarterback. Now, what I take from that game is, one, I was very impressed by Tony Romo. He really exposed Denver's defense that's missing um, Lamar Miller. I think is no, it's, uh, they're missing their linebacker, their rookie linebacker Miller. And they're also missing Woodyard, and they have tons of injuries. And I looked at Dallas's offensive line. They really protected Romo for the most part. Romo was also able to make plays um, with his feet and uh, improvise as he does so well, but really missed tackles. You look at the Terrence Williams touchdown. Denver just does a really poor job of tackling, and Des Bryant hit. The Cowboys really hit on a ton of 20-plus plays in the game yesterday. Tony Romo was really torching that Denver defense. And then you look at the end of the game with Romo throwing that interception that cost his team the game, and you've seen it. You've seen it before for Romo. He had a chance against Washington last year to win the division. He couldn't get it done. You had Romo going to Minnesota the year in 2008 when they defeated the Eagles and won the division. He, he, didn't, he didn't play well. 
you, you saw him go to New York and get outplayed by Eli Manning the year before. The Cowboys have so many opportunities, but you see Romo constantly at the end of games or in big moments not shining and throwing interceptions. I, however, would still rate Tony Romo's performance at 9.75. I would only take 25% off of that performance, and he doesn't deserve to get ripped because when you put up 48 points, your team should win the game. Even against the Broncos, the Cowboys were still giving up everything underneath and just surrendering yards to Moreno and Julius Thomas, and their defense is really depleted. And against good teams right now, Phillip Rivers lit them up, Peyton Manning took advantage of them. Frankly, even the New York Giants played their best performance against the Dallas Cowboys. Eli Manning had a nice passing day against them. Their secondary, and especially guarding tight ends, has really proved to be definitely a nemesis going forward for Dallas. But my challenge for Tony Romo is is that I've watched Romo, and he steps up against good teams, and he plays good football. But the thing is, is that when Dallas has to play teams in their division, such as the Redskins and the Eagles, will Romo still put on the same type of performance that he did last week? Will he carry his team on to beat Washington this week by 14-plus points? Because as an NFL quarterback, that's what you're supposed to do. And we haven't seen that from Romo, and that's why he gets slack. He plays down to the level of his opponents. If he would consistently try, if he played half as good of a game as he played against the Denver Broncos, this team goes undefeated the rest of their way in their division. That's how much, that's how, that's how superior talented the Dallas Cowboys are to every other team in this NFC East. But knowing the Cowboys, knowing Romo, they don't show that urgency that they need to show. And they really, and Romo really should make an effort. To, to step up, get prepared, and play big, not only against Denver Broncos when everyone's watching, but against teams that you should beat. Handle your business that way and continue to play good football and don't be so inconsistent with your play. Well, I agree. Tony Romo had a game for the ages. In the history of the Dallas Cowboys, this is an old franchise. No quarterback has thrown for over 500 yards. Troy Aikman never threw for 500 yards. Roger Staubach never threw for 500 yards. He threw for 516 yards, and it was a magnificent performance. If you score 48 points, you should win. One very notable part of the game that we were watching was Peyton Manning. At the very end of the game, he told no Sean Marino, you can't get in the end zone. He was in the one-and-a-half-yard line. And Noshad said, how do you expect me to get the first down and not get in the end zone? Because I don't care. Don't get in the end zone. So he just barely got the first down and went down. Brilliant play. They were able to milk the clock to the end. And, of course, the one who had the ball last wins. And the Broncos, with Matt Prater, kicked an extra point, And it capped a tremendous game. That's everything you want to see in a football game. Just a ton of passing, ton of offense on a very fast field. And I feel bad for Romo, who played such a great game, that that one costly mistake at the end prevented them from going into overtime. And if they went into overtime, they would have had a fighter's chance of winning the game. 
I get the Tony Romo criticism, and the criticism of Romo should be because against Kansas City, a team less of Denver, he only put up 16 points, still a decent team on the road. He still, they lost a close game by one there, but against San Diego, a winnable game, I know it's away from home, but you're playing a team that's decent to a little bit better than average. You're not playing the Denver Broncos, and Romo didn't step up in those games. So that's where you look at the Romo criticism. I really don't criticize him for for, for this performance, but if he doesn't get the job done versus Washington, you better bet that there's going to be a raft of criticism, and then he will deserve it. Not for this game. This game was solely on the defense's shoulders, And there was a tactical coaching error, in my opinion. Jason Garrett should have let Denver score the touchdown. They should have let Noshaw Moreno walk into the end zone. I mean, Denver was going aggressively trying to get the ball into the end zone at first. And then when it was third and one, they realized that they had to stop short of the goal line. If you're a Dallas defender, you simply push Noshaw into the end zone. I know some people might consider that... Um, as impractical because you're again you're you're sacrificing point you're give you're letting the other team score it, it's I guess it's awkward for a team to let another team score a touchdown that just seems like against the morality of the game but you have to do what you have to do Dallas had a minute and fifty left in that game to tie the football game and with how hot Romo is if you give him another chance to come back down the field your odds of tying the game are much better then Matt Prater missing an extra point. So that was, in my opinion, just a big coaching error at that junction of the game by Jason Garrett. That almost reminds me of the Super Bowl with the Giants. When New England let the Giants score, because that was the only way they could win, and that was a great strategy by Bill Belichick at the time. Let's flip over to the uh, inverted NFC East, that is, Everything seems to be upside down this year. You've got the Browns in first place in that division, and you've got the New York Giants and the Eagles both having really bad years. Look at Eli Manning yesterday. Looking at the game, Nick Foles emerged in the second half as a very clutch quarterback. Threw for almost 190 yards, no interceptions, Two really well-thrown balls. One to Brent Selleck for a touchdown, and another one right on the outside shoulder to Deshaun uh, Jackson. And the team looked really good with Foles captaining the ship. It looks like Michael Vick has a pulled hamstring. MRI completed day in Philly. No results let out. I'm very comfortable with the fact that this was a pulled hamstring. He'll probably be out for two to three weeks. And finally, Chip Kelly has a chance to see his second number one quarterback. Should be an interesting game in in, in North Florida versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're coming off a bye week. They're rallying around Mike Glennon, who gets a bye week. The bye week is huge for them. Greg Shiano, if there's one trait, if there's one thing he hangs his hat on, it's his defense. And really, his defensive line has played well all season long. They gave the Saints fits when they were in Tampa Bay. 
that defense on the road, if they get, I think that they should be able to still get up for this game. It's still early enough in the season for Tampa Bay to try hard. I think that that'll be a great measuring stick for Nick Foles. But what I personally see in him is that I, I don't see Nick Foles really bringing another element to this Chip Kelly offense. I look at most quarterbacks in the NFL. Sam Bradford could have done the same thing as Nick Foles. Um, you look at a guy like Blaine Gabbert. Um, or even Alex Smith, I believe that all of those guys in the second half could have done exactly the same thing as Nick Foles did. I mean, you saw him in the third quarter struggle, uh, and and in the fourth quarter he was given gifts by the Giants, and he had brilliant field position, and when you get a turnover, you take shots. And also, Nick Foles didn't have to battle any difficult blitzes. He struggles versus pressure. He's not very mobile. And you saw the Philadelphia Eagles be able to protect Nick Foles. He had clean pockets. And I'm just not seeing him as really the option going forward. He still has to show me more. It's a big game for the Eagles to win. He did a nice job filling in, but I wouldn't get all a hold of this Nick Foles t- hype because you've seen him last year. You've seen enough body of work. I still think the Eagles need to draft a quarterback next year. And with Michael Vick and the threat of running versus good defenses, it's too one-dimensional with Shady McCoy for running the football. Um, but handed to Nick Foles, he did a nice job filling in. And... We'll definitely have more ammunition about about claiming Nick Foles as a quarterback moving forward because he's playing a pretty good Tampa Bay defense. That's a tough trap game for Philadelphia heading to North Florida. So we're up against the break. We're getting into NFL football talk. It's a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying yourselves as well. We'll be back in three minutes. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine. Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 
at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. My co-host, Spencer Grossinger, and we're diving right into deep analysis of the last weekend of the NFL. We touched upon the Eagles and Giants, probably gave that game as much time as it deserved, which wasn't very much, and it's time to move on. Spencer, let's dig in. That I will try to do. (laughs) Let's go to Indianapolis. You have a showdown of two teams right now that are really looking like they have a chance to go deep into the playoffs. You have the Indianapolis Colts, who I just have to compliment, actually, Jim Jim Ursay. What a transition the, the, the Indianapolis Colts have made from Peyton Manning. You lose your franchise quarterback. You, you lose your rock, who's been there. For 16 years, you you lose the most powerful offensive weapon and the smartest football player ever to exist in the game's history. And then you go right from him to Andrew Luck in his era. And let me tell you, Andrew Luck is a complete stud. Andrew Luck has to be a top five quarterback already. The way this kid stands in the pocket and takes hits is like no other quarterback we have seen. And... You look at Andrew Luck, he's physical he's he's a physically gifted athlete playing quarterback. He's six foot three and he weighs so much and he's so tough. Andrew Luck is so tough and he stands in the pocket and he'll wait for routes to develop and he makes throws under duress and doesn't mind getting hit. That is such a trait of toughness in a quarterback. The second thing I love about Luck is his competitiveness. Right now, in his second year with the Indianapolis Colts, they made the playoffs last year. They overachieved, but Andrew Luck is not satisfied. Andrew Luck, even when beating the Seattle Seahawks, said, you know, our offense didn't get off to a great start, and our defensive special teams um, helped us out in getting the win today, and then we came alive in the second half to make a couple of great plays. You see Andrew Luck, even in beating... The, one of the best football teams in the league, the Seattle Seahawks, who really look like a top three football team and the best team in the NFC. And Andrew Luck isn't gushing in glory as his second year Colts have just defeated the Seahawks. You sense a guy that is hungry for more, never satisfied, and really that is ready to, to make a deep playoff run already with these Indianapolis Colts. And Jim Irsay has really showed a blueprint for the NFL in this day and age of what you need to do to rebuild your franchise and to not sink your franchise into the depths of the bottom of the NFL, in the cellar of the NFL. 
and that is to get a great quarterback, a franchise quarterback, and then to build offensive linemen around him combined with a nice young wide receiver in T.Y. Hilton. And that's what Indianapolis has did. That's what Indianapolis did. And uh, they are really a threat to go to the Super Bowl now. You know, they, they have Andrew Locke, again, who I can't say enough about. And then their defense is, is very serviceable. They're flying around physically up front. They're playing tough football. Just a great job by Coach Pagano there in Indianapolis. And for Seattle, I don't think that this is really that bad of a loss going to Indy. Indy's a very talented ball club. Seattle played very well. They had fundamental breakdowns in special teams with a blocked field goal in this game. The game could have gone either way. I still love Seattle to make it to the NFC Championship. They're still one of the two best teams in the NFC. I, st- I still love everything they're doing, and this loss does not represent anything that poor about the Seattle Seahawks. Well, we want to give some props to the San Francisco 49ers playing at home, really having a lackluster start to the year, blowing out Houston 34-3. Matt Schaub being benched. Houston appears to be in total disarray. Your thoughts? You look at Matt Schaub, and he really reached the ceiling a couple years ago when they lost to the New England Patriots in the, in the in the AFC playoffs. This guy is a dink and dunk quarterback, a game manager, and he's never going to win the big one. And you look at the front management along with Andre Johnson. They they don't really when Andre Johnson got older, they didn't really step up in getting receivers for Schaub. They basically said we're going to run the football and play defense. And in this league, you need a quarterback. And you need a passing game to go along with a rushing attack because the defensive lines nowadays are much more susceptible to stopping the run than they used to be. You're getting bigger guys, more physical guys on the defensive line, quicker defensive linemen than ever. And you look at the elite teams in this league, and they all they all have a quarterback that is arm strength, and they all have a, they they at least have a quarterback and a wide receiver that are very good and very talented. Um. So, you look at this game, and, and, and Houston has some rebuilding to do. I still love their Wade Phillips style of defense. I think that they just need to go draft a quarterback and get rid of Schaub already. That's how I feel. you got to abandon Matt Schaub. You've done everything you could with this guy, and he's got to the point where now his confidence is affecting his play, and he was a game manager. And with Foster slowing down, Foster has to be near perfect for this offense to work. And he's having a decent year, but you got to get rid of Matt Schaub immediately. You look at San Francisco, a nice back, a, a nice win for them. Again, getting back in the picture of the NFC, they're still going to be a team to reckon with. I still love that team as well. I love the NFC West powerhouses. Now let's talk about the surprise team of the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs. 5-0, and off to their best start since, nine, since 2003. Had the pleasure of playing the Harvard grad himself, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick started the game off missing his first five passes. Three and out in his first five series, enabling the Chiefs to eventually win ugly. And 
That would be a 26-17 win. Alex Smith, another workman-like performance. Mr. Charles put the Chiefs ahead to stay. 20-17. And again, the man himself, Mr. Lean and Mr. Clean, Andy Reid, 5-0. Mr. Big Red's 5-0, and uh, it's a great time to be a Kansas City Chiefs fan. You have the sea of red filing in the arrowhead. The stock in this Kansas City team. After going 2-14 and 14 last year, it just shows you what a revamped coaching staff and with a winning culture that Andy Reid has bought in, and he's had some successful seasons in Philadelphia. Their team is really gelled, and I love what Andy Reid did bringing in Alex Smith because it's such a system quarterback, and Alex Smith is very intelligent, and in the West Coast system of short passes and really relying on getting the ball out quickly and reading the defense, Smith is that guy. But their defense, you know... It has so many talented players. Um, Even last year, you could see the talent that the Kansas City Chiefs had, and they just need the offense to help support that side of the football. A tough trap game at Tennessee. They got up 13 to nothing. Then maybe they started smelling themselves, thinking that they had the victory. Tennessee filed out 17 unanswered points. So Fitzpatrick did get a little bit of momentum going. That Tennessee defense is much stronger than people give it credit for. And to go in there after, you know, Tennessee scores 17 unanswered points, that really was impressive for the Chiefs to bounce back. And that's a, that's a game where you got to get in there and get out with a win. It's not pretty, but it's a win. And that's what you got to do in the NFL, survive in advance and keep piling on the wins. Now you have Oakland coming in, you can win that game. And then you have the Houston Texans coming in and... And then you have the Browns. You have three more home games. They should at least get to seven and one. Personally, I think that they could even get to eight and zero to start the season um, before they play the Broncos a couple of times. So a really tremendous start. But it's really their defense. They had a talented team in place last year with their defense. But it just shows you a culture, a winning culture from Andy Reid, a guy with experience. The players have bought in and really responded to what Big Red is, has. Um, really preach to his players a very 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 special start um and a manageable schedule they're taking advantage of that i can't wait to see them play the big boys winning ugly segue to the next game cincinnati 13 to 6 we watched this game it looked like tom brady was playing in quicksand at the end it looked like he was playing in a tsunami A tremendous driving raid precluded him from scoring any touchdowns. So imagine this, Spencer. 52 straight games, Tom Brady has thrown touchdowns. That streak has been broken by the Cincinnati Bengals. Aaron Rodgers found out what the Bengals' defense is about. Now Tom Brady. And at the end, it comes to an interception by Adam Pacman Jones. And Cincinnati... Behind the anemic offense of Mr. Dalton was just enough to win by virtue of the great defense. And who got the game ball in this case? The defensive coordinator, Mike Zimmer, was handed a rain-drenched ball in the locker room. This was really, if you're a Patriots fan, very frustrating. Tom Brady looked very uncharacteristic even before the rain. Many inaccurate passes. He was just rushed. 
He couldn't set his feet. And you have to give Cincinnati credit. In the jungle, the Bengals score the upset and hold the Patriots to six points. Yeah, the Bengals are a team really to fear because of their defense. And you get in the conversation of the Houston Texans defense compared to the Bengals. Well, I think the Bengals have a superior defense. I think that they have the the most um, feared defensive front in all of football. So their defense really carried them. And then A.J. Green and Andy Dalton. You know, A.J. Green, if he gets things going, that's how the team can generate points. And I do think Dalton is a little more explosive than, than Matt Schaub. I'm definitely not sold on Dalton. I don't know if Andrew Dalton has a lot more to offer to this team. I don't think he'll ever be a great and superior quarterback. He's going to have to rely on his defense to continue to play at this high level. This is a playoff team. This is a Final Four AFC team. Anything short of that would be very disappointing. They should be able to run away from the Baltimore Ravens in this division. They're a lot more talented than the Ravens are. And definitely the Brown the Browns are a three and two, but with losing their quarterback and with the Steelers in disarray, this division is for the taking. And um, hosting a playoff hosting a playoff game for Cincinnati would be huge. And I definitely can see the Bengals winning um, and at least going to the Final Four, if not the AFC Championship, just because this defense is so special. Their offense still needs work. With Tom Brady, he just doesn't have the weapons. I was very impressed to see what he did versus Atlanta last week. But, again, he just doesn't have the weapons that he needs. We're right up against the break. A lot more Bruce the Sports Doc. Please stay tuned. We'll be back in three minutes. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injury. Injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, that's presented to you by Outdoor Channel. Hey, we're talking wolves and the pros and cons of them with David Allen from the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and Minnesota Deer Hunter Association Executive Director, Mark Johnson. Ah, we're a wolf pack! With uh, Jeff Hagner, who's the Director of Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, and finally, Mrs. Bonnie. And it's brought to you by Outdoor Channel and Ram Trucks. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. Back goes O'Neal. He's at the 
shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left. to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. It's official. The Monday game Just went final. New York Jets win in a last-second field goal by Nick Folk. And we see the coming of age of Geno Smith. Just an incredible Monday night football game. ESPN couldn't have lucked out any more than they did. You had the New York Jets going to Atlanta. Atlanta came came off a crushing loss to New England a team that does not have a lot of wide receiver depth, as we mentioned. And Tom Brady came out, and the Patriots got out early on him, and they beat the Falcons in a primetime Sunday night game with America watching. They're 1-3. in three. They're, they're foes in the NFC South. The New Orleans Saints are 5-0, and oh, and they are just looking fantastic under Sean Payton. The motivation for Atlanta was sky high. They needed to win this football game. And with the NFC being a strong conference this year, for them to have any chance at a wild card, they needed this. Then you looked at the Jets. They couldn't have looked any worse last week versus the Tennessee Titans. Even when Jake Locker left the game, Ryan Fitzpatrick still outscored them in the second half. Geno Smith was a fumble ruski machine. He was throwing interceptions. He even had another instance of a butt fumble last week. And... The Jets were just a disarray, a complete disaster in the Music City. And last week, I actually will admit, I thought that they were a pretender. I didn't think that they were a contender. And I thought Atlanta would smoke the Jets. If I had a survival league pool, I would have put all my money on Matty Ice and this Falcons team playing in desperation. But what I saw was I saw a Jets dominant defensive line. They stuffed the run the entire game. In short yardage, they were absolutely unstoppable in the trenches. That's where the game came down to. In the first half, the goal line stand. Jason Snelling had no running room. He was getting swallowed by the big mouth, which is the New York Giants defensive line. And that was impressive to see. You look at Cromartie, who's a talented cornerback. The defense played well. There are definitely some things that are not perfect. But in the end, Geno Smith, no turnovers, looked totally poised and calm in prime time. But it's not just Geno. The offensive line for the bulk of the game did a fantastic job. Kudos to Marty Morningweg. What a last drive he called. When you're in that situation down one, it's easy to fall apart. It's easy to just bail out, look to throw a 15 yards 
play down the field and get picked off. But you know what Morningwed did? He threw short passes. He threw consistent one read, two read. So Geno Smith was getting the ball out quickly. Not a lot of thinking, just playing football and throwing it to the open guy underneath. And the Jets wide receivers did a tremendous job after the catch. I am so impressed. A heartbreaking penalty. A holding call. Most teams would have folded up their stuff, went back to New York, and just admitted that they got Matty iced, and would just just throw in the season at two and three, and say we had a good game, but our defense just didn't step in the, up in the fourth quarter. But this rookie quarterback grabbed a hold of the reins and said, "Listen, we came this far." We are not going to lose this football game after all the work of preparation we've done for the last eight days. And you know what? This win is such a big kicker for the New York Jets. This game will send the Jets into competitive mode. They're coming home now. And it's unbelievable. Instead of the Jets, instead of this week talking about how Matt, how, um, Coach Rex Ryan blew the game defensively, how they held Tony Gonzalez, how they were committing so many penalties again, how their defense was atrocious in the fourth quarter, which it was, by the way, just letting Atlanta waltz down the field. Geno Smith did the Jets a huge solid favor for their morale. And I just couldn't be any more impressed with this rookie. Poised beyond his years. The Jets are a contender. Their lines dominated on both sides of the football. Atlanta has problems. And it's all due to the line of scrimmage. So that is my thoughts on the game. ESPN got a gem. I thought Atlanta would roll the Jets by at least 14. And I was wrong. But I am glad I was wrong. Because that was a thrilling football game to watch as a fan. We move to the injury report. Packers, Clay Matthews, fractures his thumb and is going to be out for a month. And he really is the heart and soul of their defense. Looking again at Gronkowski. Again, the cat and mouse game. It looked as if Gronk was going to play. But the word inside New England is that Gronk's handlers don't want him to play until he's 100%. And again, what, what you're left with at the end of the game was Tom Brady without Walker and just not getting it done. Michael Vick, running out of bounds, no hit. Pulled hamstring, negative MRI, and certainly Nick Foles will be starting at least for another week. Just looking at the stats of the Jets-Falcons game, really interesting statistic. Geno Smith is only the second rookie quarterback in the history of Monday Night Football to score three touchdowns in a hostile away environment. The other one being perhaps the best passer of all time. Not not a guy who's ever won a Super Bowl, but Dan Marino. So basically, Geno Smith stood tall. Just watching the replays here with Spencer. And what we're seeing is very decisive NFL caliber, hard spirals, great touch on the pass to Kellen Winslow to get it over the safety's hands. Last drive, as he said, passing underneath, time after time, completion after completion, and a total team effort. And you see Rex Ryan coming back, 
with the old swagger. Definitely not quite in your face, but definitely praising the team as a whole. Marty Morningwig, who uh, was not, I was not impressed with for his uh, time in Philadelphia. Frankly, happy to see him go. Looks like he's rising like a phoenix from the ashes. And now that he's got under the size, he's got away from the sizable shadow of Andy Reid. He uh, looks like he's really in charge of the offense. Rex Ryan is giving him full power and uh, really exciting game. Jets 30, Falcons 28. Well, this is the end of our short third segment. We've got a really exciting sports medicine topic coming up. Potluck. Stay tuned. We'll be back in three minutes for the final segment of Bruce, the Sports Talk, here on VoiceAmerica.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. Injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at BruceTheSportsDoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit BruceTheSportsDoc.com. What's it like to live life on the edge? Fire in the hole! It's that feeling of exhilaration after doing something that pushes your limits every day. Action sports athletes live their lives on the edge. Join professional ski patroller, journalist, and author Kim Kircher every week as she talks to guests who are exploring the edge. We'll look at everything including risks, motivation, and the rewards involved with getting out on the edge. You want to tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Bombs away. Your internet flagship station for sports. America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. 
or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. We're dealing with a very important area now, which will be injuries to the low back. This could relate to your sports injuries or other types of trauma, such as falls at work or car accidents. This is an area of extreme expertise for Grossinger Neuropaid Specialist. If you are within driving distance of the sound of my voice and you have a low back problem, whether it be a disc, whether it be a spinal cord injury, whether it be a car accident or a work accident, please call us for consultation, 610-521-6063. Again, I'm Dr. Bruce Grossinger. Let's start out with the types of injuries in the low back. I like to think of three different main injuries in the low back that are serious. Number one, injuries to the discs. Okay, and they include bulging, protruding, or traumatic discs. That's when the inner core, which is the nucleus pulposus, essentially ruptures and breaks through the outer part, which is called the annulus fibrosis. Excuse the Latin. And what happens when a disc breaks out is it moves into an area where a nerve lives, a nerve root. In Latin, the word root is called radic. So when there is a disc problem or a bone spur which presses into a nerve root in the spine, or alternatively, if there is a tremendous force, particularly a flexion and extension force to the spine, that could actually tear or partially tear the nerve cables. The nerve cables are oriented such that there's an inner cable, which is like the inner part of a wire, that's called the axon, and there's an outer cable, which is called the myelin. So, we've talked about different injuries. One, disc injury. That's one type of injury. Another type of injury is direct trauma to the nerve, stretching or pulling. If the nerve actually gets pulled out of the spinal column, that's called an avulsion. That leaves somebody with a flaccid limb, either an arm or leg, and total weakness. A nerve root avulsion, regrettably, is a very serious problem that's very difficult to treat. Another problem with the lumbar spine is called the facet syndrome. That is, the interconnecting joints are called facets. And in the same area, there are little nerves called median branches. And what happens is, there's injury to those joints and those nerves, and there's usually multiple levels of injury. So our treatment usually involves treating multiple levels, a three on average. So when you have a patient that comes in and tells you, I have back pain, morning stiffness, and you examine them, and they have tenderness overlying the facet joints, that's what we call a facet syndrome. When Tiger Woods injured his neck last year, he did not herniate a disc, but he had a cervical facet syndrome. He required treatment for that problem and eventually recovered. So when we think about it, we look at the back in the midline area, we see midline discs and nerves. We also think about the facets, which is a vertically oriented group of multi-level nerves and joints. Finally, it's separate and distinct, something called the sacroiliac joint. When the pain is either on one side or both sides, unilateral or bilateral, and when I put my finger right on 
what we call the dimples of the back, otherwise known as the sacroiliac joint, the posterior superiliac spines, and there's extreme tenderness there. Or alternatively, if there's unleveling, when I look at it carefully, if one of the sacroiliac joints is way higher than the other, I think about something called sacroiliac joint syndrome. Sacroiliac joint syndrome. How does it compare with the other entities? It typically does not radiate down into one or both legs. It's not radiating in character. It's not a radiculopathy. That's the Latin word. Also, it's usually in a different area. It doesn't go up the spine. It doesn't affect multiple levels. It basically is such when you put your finger on the SI joint, there's pain. And there's also two other tests called the Patrick's test, wherein you do a maneuver to the hip and the leg, and also something called a Lasagne's test, which is another provocative test we do in the office. When those tests are positive, they can support the diagnosis of sacroiliac dysfunction. Well, how do you treat sacroiliac dysfunction? Number one, anti-inflammatories, muscle relaxers, physical therapy, myofascial treatment, even gentle manipulation, either osteopathic manipulation or chiropractic manipulation. And also, we do both diagnostic and therapeutic injections. In the operating room, we do this in neuropain specialists. We take a needle, we place it down an x-ray beam directly at the SI joint, and we inject a powerful anti-inflammatory and local anesthetic agent. When that relieves the pain, that's a positive diagnostic test, and there's also a therapeutic component. We usually do up to three injections in the sacroiliac area. Okay, let's go back to diagnosis number one. Disc injuries, lumbar root injuries. How do we treat that? So how do we treat herniated discs? Number one, at the core is a good clinical exam. There are rare cases that represent true surgical emergencies. When somebody has an acute injury to their disc, they herniate it, and they develop an inability to pass urine, or they develop constipation, that is a true emergency. That indicates the likelihood of a spinal cord involvement, or what we call a cauda equina syndrome. That's a big word in Latin. Cauda equina relates to the horse's tail. In that case, we send them to an immediate surgeon who usually does a decompression. They remove the disc with or without a fusion to stabilize the spine. That's unusual, however. 95% or greater, we start off conservatively. Anti-inflammatory medicines, muscle relaxers, physical therapy, rest, stretching, second-tier treatment. We do epidural injections in our office. That means in an operating room, we place a needle at the level of the disc, above or below it. We inject corticosteroids, local anesthetic agents. We usually do two or three of these injections over a period of four to six weeks. In our hands, the epidural injections have a 70% chance of significantly impacting on the patient's problem. They don't remove the disc, but they usually can induce a relative remission, and they allow the patient to continue their activities. So, review. Disc injuries. Unless there's a true surgical emergency, we use physical therapy, medicines, injections. We also believe gentle mobilization 
which can be done by a physical therapist or can be done safely by a chiropractic physician are very important tools in the treatment of lumbar disc injuries. We talked about sacroiliac dysfunction, pain in the butt, literally, and these problems are treated by medicine, mobilization, and injections directly to the sacroiliac joint. The way we do our injections, we use a special x-ray machine called a fluoroscope, so we have actual pictures of the needle, we can see where the medicine is going, and we can follow that up and we can share that with the patient. I believe at the core of the treatment of low back injuries is good communication, interaction between the doctor and the patient. And again, we can see low back injuries at a host of scenarios. We can see them from car accidents, work injuries, and particularly in the sporting environment. Oftentimes, it's a twist, it's an acceleration, it's a deceleration, it's a slip and fall. We see it a lot in the wintertime. Black ice, head over heels, I landed on my back. And when they come to us, we have to decide whether it's a serious neurological injury. Another class of back injuries are the non-serious variety, what we call the simple strain and sprain. Soft tissue injuries. These injuries get better, typically in four to six weeks. They require no formal um, injections or surgical treatment. They often don't require even CAT scans or MRIs. They usually get better with rest, anti-inflammatory medicines, something called a medrol dose pack, which is a methyl prednisolone pack over five days, gentle physical therapy, chiropractic care, and time. So if it's a simple low back strain, they get better. However, we see so many patients who are told by their doctors or by whomever, don't worry about it, you have a simple strain. They go ahead and they get evaluated, they get a careful exam by a neurologist, we find they need MRIs, and it turns out that they fall in the other category of the more serious big three, lumbar disc injuries, nerve injuries, that's one category, lumbar facet injuries, and sacroiliac injuries. We're going to reinforce this particular discussion on future dialogues with you, the listener at Voice America Sports. This concludes this segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. I will continue to help you journey through Nerveland, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. I thank you so much for listening. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.